Today, we are going to talk about conversations. I love having conversations about conversations. Uh, it sounds a bit redundant. I realize that, that our, our, our whole podcast is talking about conversations, but we're really going to, we're going to get into the engagement conversations today. Chapter nine in the book, if you're following along out there. And first, I'm going to read something from chapter four, which is why conversations are needed. So, you know, as we've talked before, right, the whole premise of this book is that to lead change and for those people managers out there who've been tasked with leading their team through change, this book will help you. These are the conversations you need to have with your team uh, to overcome that resistance to to understand what they're thinking and, and help them move through to um, the ultimate uh, benefits of the change that you're hoping for. So chapter four, why conversations are needed. So you and I have talked before a little bit about the ABC transition roadmap, uh, chapter two, if you're following along. And, you know, we also talked, we've talked a little bit about resistance. We haven't gone into a whole lot of that, but um, that's chapter three, if you're following along. And so we know that transforming an organization really requires people to commit to the change and all the individuals need to commit, right? Can't just say this is the organizational change, off we go. Individuals are what make up organizations and you need the majority of those individuals to actually commit to the change uh, to get the benefits of that. So commitment, we've talked before, we want commitment, then we want people to continue in the way that uh, the change is going, right? Our new direction. So as we as I say in the book, commitment is gained when people feel heard. People feel heard when they're engaged in productive conversations. Conversations get the thoughts out of our heads. Um, thoughts lead to emotions, emotions lead to actions, and actions lead to results. Um, so conversations are the gateway through which people will move from awareness to buy-in to belief and ultimately committing and continuing to the continuing the change. So to change, people need to see things from different perspectives and conversations will help them do this. People also need a safe place when transitioning from the current state to the future state. Uh, they need to be able to express their feelings, relate to others and share similar experiences and process new information. So here we go today uh, with our engagement conversations. These are the must have conversations to lead change that sticks. These are those conversations, what I call AIM changing conversations, AIM, the name of uh, my company, Action Impact Movement. These are those conversations you take to the plant floor, to the field office, to the local branch and end in the boardroom. You know, these are in groups. Some of these conversations will be one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and these, these engagement conversations happen usually after the change has been announced. Um, the leaders have come along and said, this is a new culture, or this is the new system, or this is the new leader or whatever. And now you've done that sort of that initial, the leaders have done that initial communication. The engagement conversations are the opportunity to really find out what people have actually heard and what they think is going on and what they believe. What I like about this group of conversations too, Jen, is, you know, the, the, um, the previous group, the planning and managing conversations, in my experience, if I'm thinking about a big change are happening at that sort of senior leadership level. Um, but these engagement conversations are for the people who maybe didn't necessarily make the decision about the change, but actually have to lead the implementation of the change. And I think that that is, 
you know, if you think of that sort of triangle model, right, thinking in a hierarchy, there's a vast, there's a lot more people at that sort of, I guess, middle management level than there are at that more senior level. So I think these engagement conversations are particularly important because there's so many people leaders who, as I, as I just said, you know, you have to implement the change, but you weren't necessarily involved in the conversation about why are we having the change or what, what are the impacts of the change going to be? So yeah, working through these conversations, I think there's a lot of people, myself included, that can really benefit from learning how to do this effectively. Absolutely. And I, and you said last time we spoke as well, you know, you think of change of as those things with project plans. So all those planning and managing conversations, which we will talk about at another point, um, you know, those are the project plans that are being put in place um, for these changes. But, you know, these engagement conversations can be, whether it's a big planned change that's coming down in your organization, or like we talked last time, a new leader comes on board or, or somebody leaves or something happens, um, you know, COVID hits and we all have to work from home or make big changes or something's happened um, in your external environment that you also, you now need to change and do something. And so these are those conversations that really are flexible, can work in any of those environments. Today, we are talking about the debrief conversation. So this is the first conversation in the engagement conversation section. I'm gonna see how many times I can say conversation today. I'll start my tally. Perfect. <laughs> For those and of you listening at home, you can play a drinking game. That's right, that's right, exactly. All right, so the debrief conversation, the purpose of this conversation is to gauge what people have heard and understood about announced changes. Um, and this, again, can be big announcements from an organization leaders um, about what's coming, or it could be, you know, something, some issue that's come up in your organization that's just been talked about and we go, okay, we need to pull people together and we need to debrief on, on what's going on with this particular issue or situation. You know, and the, uh, I say in the book, and this is uh, page 147 for those following along. Change happens regularly in organizations, and often the folks who've been around for a while think, oh, this labor of the month too shall pass. Um, and so, because many employees who've been there for a while, uh, they've seen their organization change. They've seen new leaders, new technology, new processes. Multiple times uh, they've seen this happen in their tenure. And so we need to think about how will this change be different for than ones that they've experienced in the past? And the answer is, get out your tally sheet, conversations, you're going to engage them in conversations. I really liked that, that opening part because as somebody who has been with my organization for quite some time, I definitely understand that feeling and thought of, oh, here we go again, another, another flavor of the month. So I like that you started it out that way because I think a lot of people can certainly identify with that sentiment. Perfect. Agree. And, you know, this is, it is the first one in the engagement conversation section. Um, and it can be a challenging one to facilitate. You really want people to express their thoughts and feelings and reactions and stuff in this conversation. Uh, and if you're the manager of that team, they may or may not feel comfortable, uh, you know, expressing their thoughts in front of their leader, right? If they have fear of of losing their job, you know, as an extreme, or if they fear sort of ramifications of sharing their actual thoughts about things. Uh, so, you know, you need to think about who's the best person to facilitate this conversation. And, and this is a conversation that you will have several times 
you should have several times throughout a change, throughout your career as you're leading people. It's just a really good one to, to bring forward uh, often, I have found. So I there's I talk about it in the book as well as the I talk, I break this down into four sections, this conversation. And I use a method called the the art of focus conversation. Uh, that's a book called The Art of Focus Conversation. You can look that one up. Uh, and so this method of focus conversation is one of my favorites. So I have that book on my shelf. It is dog-eared. I use it all of the time. And it really, it breaks conversations down into four parts. So you kick off with objective questions. So what are the facts? What have we seen or heard about the change? Um, and then you get into reflective questions. You focus on feelings and reactions. Then you get into, and we're going to go through these questions in a few minutes. Uh, then we get into interpretive questions. So you focus on what's the impact or how are we interpreting this information um, or things that we've heard or seen. And then lastly is getting into decisions. So this is about taking action and figuring out what the next steps are. So I find going through these four pieces very distinctly in a conversation, and you can do all this in an hour. Um, if you're very sort of precise about these are this different types of questions we're going to go through, uh, you can get a lot of information from people and you can keep them focused on instead of just sort of going, so what did everybody hear and going in around the room, it really focused them, focuses people in on facts versus feelings versus interpretations versus where are we going next in terms of our actions. And just with regards to that methodology, I, I have used that same type of flow as well. And I think, you know, it is, it is a great book and you have taught this to me before. I do find it really does help people get progressively more comfortable, right? If you're starting on facts, that's really pretty, pretty simple, pretty cut and dry. And then you move into, move into the feelings, which people may be less comfortable speaking about. So I, I think just as a, as a process, this is a really helpful, helpful process just in general. And then the specific questions that you've provided, which we're going to talk about in a moment, I think are, are very, very helpful to, uh, to move people through. Great. So let's, yeah, let's jump into some of these questions. Uh, and so again, having this conversation uh, assumes that there's been some sort of announced change or something has happened in your organization and you want to take this opportunity to to debrief it and hear what people have have heard. Um, I have used this in lots of situations. I have used this when teams have uh, been merged. So going from I worked with a global team that they were they were four different uh, functional teams and they all came together as one. So we had them all together in a room. It was quite a big group. Uh, and we did all these, we did these types of questions with them just to sort of debrief and download what was happening. Uh, I've used it in an organization I went into that had a whole bunch of leadership change and lots of changes in this organization over the last year. And all these people were sort of discombobulated um, that sat on this man management team. And so we just went through these questions and said, okay, what has, what has happened over the last year and, and where are we at? Um, and, you know, as I say too, and what I call my aim changing conversations is these are really an opportunity to get to a common understanding. So being curious, coming to a common understanding about what's happening. And how important is that? As a communications expert and somebody who's worked in communications for years, I am ceaselessly amazed by how I can work so hard on drafting a 
perfect communication and we can send it out and then you ask people, you know, what did you read out of that? What did you understand? And it's like you're playing a game of telephone. The things that they broke telephone or that they broke in telephone, exactly. So what they pick up or misinterpret or what they focus on is quite astounding. So extraordinarily important to go back and just check in with people on what did you see? What did you hear? What are you taking away from this? So true. And what a what an opportunity to be curious, right? To see, because I too have written many communications in my life, uh, not as many as you. However, and you write it and you spend so much time wordsmithing everything and you wordsmith the the uh, you know the presentation you're gonna give, etc. And then it's that those one or two nuggets that people pick up on that you think were maybe throwaway comments, but that's what they walk away with. I had this experience recently. Uh, you know, there was a presentation we gave to a CEO of an organization and the presentation was great, very scripted, et cetera. And then he asked some questions at the end. And one of the people you know, like gave a throwaway number, like an unconfirmed number, just off the top of his head. I don't know. It's something like 10% of this or something like that. Well, he is yet to live that 10% down. And that wasn't a verified number. And he's we've gone back to that CEO and said, well, the actual number was this, but he can't get over that 10%. And it's actually hindered the project. Um, from what they've been able to get funding for and stuff. So, you know, it's really important to figure out what have people heard and what have they, what have they actually taken away from that? All right. Uh, and again, I come back to the common understanding. I had one other team that I work with that, you know, I was in there for my regular status meeting with this team and we just kept getting sidetracked by this issue. And so eventually I said, all right, let's just focus on this issue. And so I was asking a bunch of questions about details of, of this particular issue and, you know, their, their comment to me was, well, you don't need to, like, you don't need to understand that. You don't work here on a regular basis. You don't do this work. You don't need to know. And I said, this isn't for my understanding. This is for all of you to come to a common understanding because they worked on two different shifts and they did things ever so slightly differently. And so as I would ask these questions and they would answer, they realized that they weren't doing things the same and sort of, so they would come to a common understanding and just help this team. One thing I've noticed is, teams struggle to have quality conversations to actually solve problems together um, and figuring out. So that's one of, one of my missions as well is helping teams uh, have better conversations so they can solve their own issues together instead of always having to have somebody come in and help them out. Well, and just on that note too, I, uh, I, um, the, piece, the part of the outset where you talk about who's involved. So I think, you know, this conversation can be one-on-one, -on -one, but perhaps even more valuable to be had in a team, as you said, to bring everybody up to that common understanding, just to sort of facilitate it with your entire team and to say, you know, what did you hear? What did you hear? And then, so, as you said, come to the common understanding, but also just get to learn a little bit more about each other and about how they all have been interpreting the change. So having this, I think if possible with, yeah, with a team and with the group is most beneficial. Great point. And, and just as a point on setting up how you can run this conversation, again, using that focus conversation method, uh, you can have people, I often will hand out the questions ahead of time uh, in the meeting, like, and I'll give people five or 10 minutes to write down their answers to all of the four sets of questions before we get started. Um, and if you're worried about 
the, um, you know, people not wanting to share. I've certainly done stuff where they can write their answers on stickies, they can hand them to me, I can sort of mix them up, put them on the board, that sort of thing. So there's different ways that you can make it comfortable for people to share their ideas. Four sets of questions. So starting off with objective questions. So just some examples here, focusing on facts. So you really ask the people, what have you heard or seen about changes that are happening in the organization? Or what have you heard or seen about what has changed in the organization? So the key words here are heard and seen. So I have seen uh, more people on the plant floor. We used to have 10 people on a shift. Now we have 30 people on a shift. Or I've seen less people. We used to have 500 people on a shift. Now it only seems like there's about 200. Those are extreme numbers. Um, what have I heard? I have heard people say that we're going to downsize. I have heard people say that a new system is coming next week. And so it also gets at some of the rumor mill. So what have you heard people saying? And, you know, and again, we say facts, we focus on facts. Not all those are necessarily facts if it's rumors, but it's, it's getting at what have you heard or seen versus what do I think about it just quite yet? And when you facilitate this too, it's important to, you know, if people are saying things, well, I feel like this, or I think this is happening, um, you know, stop them and say, what have you actually seen or heard versus what do you think? So a few other questions. What have you heard people say about the changes? Uh, what has already changed? So not about what's coming necessarily, but what have we seen happen in the past? And this is what is a good one to debrief past changes um, to set people up for the future as well as what have we changed in this organization? And what facts do we know about the change? Like what are the actual facts that we've heard? This is where your communications come in because you've probably in the communications that have gone out, there's actually been facts in there, whether or not people have actually picked up on them. Exactly. This is always a little bit of the depressing part when <laughs> you often hear, I don't know anything. I don't know what's happening. And you have to bite your tongue before you hold up the memo and say, actually, these are all the things. Well, and this is where my term one more time with feeling comes in because you will have the conversations one more time with feeling, you will feel like you have communicated a hundred times. And we've talked about the marathon effect as well, right? Where all the people who are involved in the change, especially those writing the communications, they have written this till they're blue in the face or talked about it till they're blue in the face. And they know it so well, but for other people, people are busy, right? Think about how many emails people get in a day and you know, this one has not even made a blip on their radar yet, right? Like they haven't even opened it. I used to work for a leader who said, at the point where I feel sick when I'm saying something because I said it so often, that is when I know that it's getting through and people understand it. So that's a very hard thing for leaders to understand, as you just said. Can I add to that too, that it's not only about when you're feeling sick, but it's when you've asked people and they've been able to repeat back to you what actually is happening. <laughs> then you know you're getting through to them. I, it's like uh, if you've ever done first aid courses, on a side note here, you when you're calling, you get somebody to call for it. Like you come upon a person, they're unconscious, unconscious, not breathing. Hey, you in the red shirt. Go call 911. Tell them I have an unconscious breathing person. Here's where our address is and report back to me. And then and then you get them to repeat it and uh, see if they actually heard what you said because you don't want them going off and saying who knows what to 911. Or 
We've gone on the facts. So we've done our objective questions. Next up, we've got reflective questions. So focusing on feelings and reactions. So these are things like, what surprised you? What's your reaction to this? Um, what did not surprise you? Because we've seen this movie before. What sounded like good news? Um, what sounded like bad news? Like, how are you feeling about things and how are you reacting to things? What I like about these questions is, is it, I, I think, you know, they're called engagement conversations and these types of questions really do engage people, right? I care about you. I am interested in what you feel about this change. And even just asking the question in my experience goes a long way. So that's, I, I think that for me, this sort of bunch of questions is very important. You can't jump into it. You've got to focus on start with facts, as you said, mm -hmm. but when you get these types of feeling questions, this is when I think you start to really get the engagement um, from people. Absolutely. And I mean, you can even ask the question, how do you feel about this change? And that's where this, I think is a, a question some leaders will shy away from because they don't want to be in that dealing with emotions, right? I don't, I don't, I don't want to be there. Uh, however, letting people get their emotions out, because again, you know, have these conversations and get the answers, answer their questions in that room versus once they leave that room and start asking people questions or starting to like, this is when the rumor mill gets started. Right. And all of a sudden there's stuff going flying around the organization that isn't true. Um, so find out their questions, find out how they're feeling in that, in that meeting. I mean, this is only first one, there's many other meetings to have as well. Um, but start to squash the rumor mills before they get started. Number three, interpretive questions. So focusing on impact or interpretation, how will these changes affect our team or organization? Which of these changes seem to align with our current purpose or direction? Um, or don't align? Where does this seem like now we're taking a left turn somewhere that we thought this was a direction we're going and now there's something else? Um, and who's going to be most impacted by these changes? So just some questions that you can come up with. There's lots more uh, that you can come up with as well. But thinking about like, how are people interpreting what they have heard and seen and how they feel about things? And then lastly, getting to the decisional questions. So really focusing in on action and next steps. So those first three sets of questions are really an opportunity for people to download what they think, how they feel, how they interpret things, et cetera. Um, and giving, that, giving them that chance to sort of express that and get those thoughts out of their head. Uh, but it's really important to close off one of these meetings with what's next. So what decisions do we need to make or what actions do we need to take instead of just walking away with nothing, um, you know, no action. So here you can think about what information do you need to effectively deal with this change or what more information do you need? So this might be uh, from a communications standpoint, you're like, oh, I'd really like some more information on the timing of this change. So let's add that into the next set of communications. Um, what do we need to do differently as a team? So taking team ownership and accountability for being able to move this change forward. And the accountability word I wanted to pick up on, because I find the value of this last group of questions is that it's now, in some cases, the team may have felt like the change is imposed on them. In many cases, that's probably what we're speaking about is an imposed change. They feel like the change is imposed on them. They have to absorb it. It's those waves that we talked about last week. Now, this is their opportunity to say, this is what I need as a, as a 
life preserver. These are the questions that I still have. This is what will help me move forward. So it gives them some one accountability to ask, but also some agency to say, this is how, this is what I need to move forward and to actually accept the change. And I think that's important because it's, it, people do need to take accountability. I'm going to work in this organization. So I need to figure out how I'm going to adopt this change. Um, Cause if I'm not going to adopt this change, you know, that's probably not a good place to be. Um, there might be consequences for my actions. That's the, are you on board conversation? That's a different one. Really having the opportunity, like you say, to say, you know what? Okay. Got it. This is the direction that the organization is going. And, and in order for me to get there, I need some coaching or I need some help or I need these questions answered. I may not need a lot. We talked about personality preferences and change earlier. It might just be, I need to understand the why, the big picture of this, and then I'm bought in. But figuring out what are those things that I as an individual need and we as a team need in order to move forward. I also believe that even having the conversation and helping people recognize that maybe their other team members are feeling a bit the way that they are feeling as well or interpreted something a little bit differently or even that can start moving the team forward just to understand you're not alone in the way that you're feeling or the concerns that you have. Absolutely, absolutely. And we, we know from one of the seven dynamics of change that people often feel like they are alone and their situation is unique, even though there might be 500 other people on their team going through the same thing. So that's a great point. So wrap, that wraps it up. That's that four question, four sets of questions that you ask. Uh, and then it's really important that you actually take action on the decision. So if you've, if you've come to the conclusions that we need more information on this, or we need to take this action, then actually do that. Uh, so people, again, see that there's follow through on this. Um, they are being heard. That's the whole point of the conversation. They have been heard um, and they're seeing action taken on, on what um, they have said. Another action that you can take as well is to, to take this information that you've learned perhaps anonymously and then feed it back up to the leaders and to help the leaders understand this is what's actually happening out there. I believe rolling that debrief information back up to the senior leaders is really helpful as they continue to make further communications or further changes. Rolling that information back up can, uh, can help them improve on future processes. Totally agree. And, and one last point I'd make on this one is, you know, when you have all those people in a room, you have that conversation, whoever's facilitating that conversation, whether it's the manager, or if you've got somebody external um, or separate from that group doing it, it's an opportunity to observe uh, people's behavior, right? And their, and their reactions to this. So if you're seeing individuals who appear um, that they need more support or they've been less vocal, um, it's an opportunity for you to pick those out and maybe take them aside uh, in a separate, at a separate time and talk to them one-on-one -on -one and just get some more information out of them about how they're feeling about things. Well, that is the debrief conversation, conversation number one in the engagement conversations. So good luck out there. Enjoy your debriefs.